a stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Utah's source for exclusive access and insights behind the news. Here's the opinion page editor of the Deseret News, Boyd Matheson, on KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Welcome, everyone, to Inside Sources here on KSL News Radio. Great to be with you today. I am Boyd Matheson, opinion editor at the Deseret News. And as always, we've got a lot of ground to cover in the fastest 60 minutes of radio as we try to help you slow things down. Divide the rage from the reason, elevate the conversation, connect the dots, and help the news make sense to you today. And, of course, we'll continue to uh, watch what is happening in our nation's capital and the well of the United States Senate as the impeachment managers from the House uh, finish their opening arguments. I, we believe that will take most of the day today, although I, I have heard from a number of sources in Washington that they don't expect uh, the House managers to use all of their allotted eight hours today. Uh, so uh, they could be uh, wrapping up a little later this afternoon. Uh, so we'll continue to monitor. We'll dip into some of the live sound from that as they continue to lay out the case uh, in the uh, impeachment trial of former President Donald State Trump uh, on those uh, uh, official uh, documents there. No, we can, we can stay down. Um, uh, we'll, we'll go to uh, Representative Lou here in just a uh, in just a moment. But uh yeah, it's interesting. There, there are so many things that are uh, swirling there in the Capitol, and of course, a, a lot of uh, political posturing going on as well. In addition to uh, what's taking place procedurally, and we're going to break that down in a couple of different ways today. Uh, we're going to be joined coming up at eleven thirty-five by our good friend James Walner from R Street uh, Consulting, uh, who is really the sage of the Senate. Uh, he understands all the procedural uh, components to it, so he's going to help us kind of navigate our way through what uh, has happened, what is happening, and what will happen in the uh, coming days. And uh, some people are suggesting that it could be uh, as early as the the weekend, possibly Sunday, that uh, things could be all wrapped up and uh, and a vote taken. I'm I'm not quite that optimistic. I think it's going to take them into next week a little bit. Uh, Of course, it will also be interesting to see if they decide to uh, take any uh, witnesses will also be a really interesting component to that as well. Uh, and so we want you to chime in, weigh in on uh, helping us uh, elevate the conversation today. And you can, of course, always do that on our Utah Community Credit Union KSL text line at 57500. Uh, weigh in, let us know what you're thinking, what your perceptions are on some of the things happening there. We're also keeping our eye on uh, the press conference with Governor Spencer Cox, uh, giving an update on the COVID-19 response from the state. Uh, and as news breaks there, of course, we'll we'll cover that and bring that to you throughout the day. Here on KSL News Radio. Uh, so currently, as we look at the uh, House managers, uh, as they continue to uh, to move forward, there they are showing some video from different governors uh, talking about the results uh, of the election, uh, trying to make the case there in terms of what the president's view was of the electoral college and what the states were doing to certify votes, uh, and then send those on to Congress uh, for for that counting which, of course, was uh, on January the 6th uh, when everything broke out. So uh, we're continuing to, to watch that. There's been some interesting uh, conversations going 
on, of course, uh, including some uh, late last night uh, with Utah Senator Mike Lee uh, and a procedural uh, move there in terms of something that was not accurately represented by the House impeachment managers. managers. It was corrected in the end, but we'll break down uh, how that happened, what happened there, uh, and how we've all got to learn to step back a little bit and just exhale and listen. Because uh, if we listen differently, uh, we'll report better and we'll have more accurate conversations as opposed to a lot of speculation or a lot of just heated rhetoric and talking points. So we're going to do that coming up at 1120 today. Um, let's go ahead and dip into the, uh, this sound just a little bit, Gustavo, if we can. Uh, again, this is some of the uh, governors weighing in on the Electoral College. ...against our democracy. The president's former Secretary of Defense, James Mattis, declare that today's violent assault on our capital, an effort to subjugate American democracy by mob rule, was fomented by Mr. Trump. Former White House Chief of Staff John Kelly also spoke on this as well, and I'd like to play an audio clip of what he said. What happened on Capitol Hill yesterday is a direct result of his you know, poisoning the minds of people with the lies and the, and the frauds. If you couldn't hear that, what John Kelly said about President Trump was that what happened on Capitol Hill was a direct result of him poisoning the minds of people with the lies and their fraud. Former Speaker of the House John Boehner declared that, quote, the invasion of our capital by a mob incited by lies from some entrusted with power is a disgrace to all who sacrificed to build our republic. This was echoed by former Trump official after former Trump official. Here is where former National Security Advisors John Bolton and H.R. McMaster, former White House Communications Director Alyssa Farah, and former Chief of Staff Mick Mulvaney said. Let me just ask you, do you think President Trump has blood on his hands? Uh, I think he does. Look, I, I agree with Bill Barr. I think he did incite this mob with the clear intention of having them disrupt the Electoral College uh, certification and delay it to give him more time. I don't think there's any question about it. You know, there are many reasons for this assault on the Capitol, but foremost among them was the president's exhortations, was the president's sustained disinformation. We've seen a president stoking fears amidst these crises. And first and foremost, I want to say that what happened at the Capitol was unacceptable, un-American, undemocratic. I, I think everybody recognizes that what happened on Wednesday is different. You could go down the long litany of things that people complained about with Donald Trump, and I could probably defend almost all of them. Many of them were policy uh, differences, uh, uh, differences. Many of them were stylistic differences. But Wednesday was different. Wednesday was existential. Wednesday is one of those things that struck to the very heart of what it means to be an American, and it was wrong. Mick Mulvaney, President Trump's former chief of staff, is clearly saying what we all felt, that January 6th was different. It was existential. It was wrong. It was un-American. And this sentiment was echoed not just from people outside the administration, but from people inside the Trump administration. Perhaps most telling was the flood of resignations from people inside President Trump's administration with first-hand access to President Trump. 
his own officials felt so betrayed by his conduct that numerous officials resigned in protest days before the end of President Trump's term. Sixteen officials resigned in protest. Sixteen. They all took this dramatic action of resigning because they saw the clear link between President Trump's conduct and the violent insurrection. Here are some of what they said. Secretary DeVos, who was in the administration the entire term, told President Trump in, his, in her resignation letter that, quote, there is no mistake in the impact your rhetoric had on the situation, and it is an inflection point for me. So we've been listening to uh, Ted Lieu, uh, congressman, part of the impeachment manager team, uh, presenting uh, evidence today as it relates to the article of impeachment against former President Donald Trump. Uh, and he has spent much of his time uh, in this segment of the proceedings uh, really quoting uh, people who had been in President Trump's inner circle. Many of them have been either in the cabinet or national security advisors, chiefs of staff, uh, secretaries of various agencies. Uh, and so he's really laying out that case. And again, this is uh, similar to a pattern that they used in the first day of the trial in using some of the people around the president uh, and those that would be recognized in Republican circles uh, as people of credibility uh, to to make the case and to emphasize the point. Uh, again, from a communication strategy standpoint, I, I think that's smart on the uh, part of the impeachment managers uh, rather than just uh, going with the people who you know are already uh, on a side. Uh, to talk about some of those that might be a little surprising to to hear some of those comments coming from those uh, closer to the president. Uh, so a really interesting strategy, a smart strategy, I think, in terms of the House impeachment managers. We're going to continue to monitor uh, what's happening in Washington, D.C. as this uh, continues to roll on today. We'll update that as we go. We're also keeping our eyes, I mentioned earlier, on the uh, COVID-19 update uh, coming from uh, uh, Governor Cox and Lieutenant Governor Henderson. Uh, and so we'll watch for that. Any numbers or any guidance uh, that is important, we'll make sure we bring that to you right here on KSL News Radio. We're going to go ahead and step aside for commercial break. When we come back, we're going to talk about how we turn the dial down and how we get to real conversations coming up next. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com. Follow us on Apple Podcasts or anywhere else you listen.